I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. We are live in the evening. Mm -hmm. Well, evening in some areas of the country. I know, it is pretty bright there. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's very bright. It's dark here um, because I am on the hospital service and I appreciate you accommodating your girl. Always. I do what I can. I had a first year medical student join me um, on rounds this weekend. He's actually a student at Emory. Hey, Jaden, um, <laughs> who, who I tested one day in one of our like oral exams and I was giving him feedback afterwards and I saw him in the hallway and was chatting. He was like, you know what, can I come to um, the hospital and round with you one day? I was like, sure. You know, what was so dope is, you know, my team was capped. We rounded just the two of us. We had run the list with the team, but the two of us rounded on all the patients. But every single patient we went to that was cognitively able, we asked, um, I asked, this is a young doctor. Um, he's in his first year of medical school and he's just learning. What advice would mm. you give him to um, become a great doctor? Man, people said some dope things. Man, they just said some great things. One person said, just listen. Listen to the nurses. Listen to your patient. Listen to what people are not saying. Another person said, try to love what you do. Figure out something to do that you love. Because mm. if you don't love it, we bear the brunt of it. Ooh. Like, Ooh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's, that's a word. People had some words for me. It was great. It was really choking me up. <laughs> that's amazing well I look forward to you uh, cataloging those and, and sharing because <laughs> I think that there's probably more than just the, the first year medical students who could benefit from that I know so great I loved it man what's up with you what's new um so I gotta share this with you okay so there is like this I don't know what to call it it's kind of like an amusement park but it's just like you could tell it's like very low tech built probably in like the seventies or something out here in Oakland that I pass by all the time. It's called children's Fairyland, So it's all these like (laughs) giant toys and houses. They're kind of like, you know, it's kind of based off of these old fairy tales that people probably don't remember unless you're of a certain age. It's like very colorful and like, I've been living out here for three years. I run past it all the time and I, I just wanted to know what it looked like inside. But you can't go without a child. Oh, you can't? No. They they make that very- I love that weird. you actually plotted to go without a child. That is <laughs> well, so I, I mean, awesome. I, just, I just saw the sign. I was like, okay, well, this makes sense. So, but thankfully, you know, my colleagues, oh, no. No. so I want to shout out to Emma Shack, who, you know, I do know Emma, who has, hi, Emma, hi, Josh, who has children that I could borrow to get into this place. So Emma was kind enough to bring her two and a half year old and her months old baby out to Oakland oh so God. that we could go to children's fairyland. And I had a really good time. 
Was it everything that you thought it would be? You know, I don't know what I thought. <laughs> Part of me thought it looked haunted. But it, was just like, it was very lovely. There were so many children oh. around. It was sunny. Like, it was just really sweet. And like, you know, because it, oh, it, it's just like, there's no phones. There's no screens. There's just kids like running around. And they're all like, you have to be pretty little to enjoy stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, it was You have cool. to be really little or you got to be Ashley. <laughs> or, you, or you have to be me. So I got the best of both worlds because Emma just happens to have really, really adorable children. And I got to see the inside of the fairyland. So, oh my gosh, that is so great. <laughs> I like that you initiated this, this entire play date as mm-hmm. a grown ass woman. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ashamed. And, and you should not be, you should not be ashamed. I don't, I, you know, Hey, you do what you do. Thank you. So I know I keep saying this every week, but <laughs> I don't know if there's a children's fairyland in Boston, but (laughs) (laughs) yet another shameless plug. That was Um, such a great segue. Wasn't it? Yes. I I actually think I'm pretty witty person. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I just would like you all to know that at the Society of General Internal Medicine National Meeting, which is going to be in Boston, which Mm -hmm. I hope you registered already and I hope you booked a hotel we will be there mm-hmm. and uh, we will uh, be presenting and we will be recording with a special guest mm-hmm. and we're just gonna be walking around naming here and giving fist bumps it's mm-hmm. just gonna be awesome mm-hmm. I am hyped you know me and Mahalia have been in conversation around what what we're gonna look like when we mm. get there did you hear about Tabitha Brown's book I did a new thing no okay Tabitha Brown you know who we love tab right love tab Yeah. Tab has a new book called I Did a New Thing. And it's basically talking about her. I haven't read it yet, actually. But as a part of the book launch, she did 31 days in January of every day do a new thing and had people like share on social media. And her hair um, named Donna. Donna, she did a new thing with Donna every for every one of her appearances. And I mean, Donna was doing the most. It was a lot (laughs) going on. So... (laughs) Maybe you'll do a new thing. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And I know you love Tab, so you got to check that book out. I can't believe you hadn't read it yet. Hey, man, I will read anything that Tab puts pen to paper on. So because she be dropping list. a word to make you feel good, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So let's do a new thing. Before we jump into new things, let's continue the things that we all showed up for on this episode because we love the good words from Grady Doctor, otherwise known as the Dr. Kimberly Manning, clinician educator extraordinaire, nationally renowned professor of medicine at the School of Medicine at Emory University. One of what's what's the uh, what's the statistic now? Less less, less than one percent. Less than one percent. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But she is opening all the doors for those of us to come up. So maybe holding it open, holding that thing open. Yes, I am. <laughs> what is the what? The what is difficult. Difficult. Okay. Yep. Difficult. Difficult. <laughs> difficult. Um, uh-huh. difficult as in patience. Yep. Okay. That call difficult. That is exactly where my mind went, but I didn't want to say it out loud. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you are a general internist and you've been told that somebody's difficult. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. such a loaded word too, right? It can mean it all is. kinds of stuff. Um, a lot of times when people describe somebody as difficult, it can mean that they find them unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're not cooperative to them. Uh, but a lot of times it's just that 
somebody said it and then somebody else said it and then somebody else said it. And then how you perceive the person is all based upon the things that were fed forward to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to take you back not super long, maybe like about eight years ago, which for you is a long time ago. Cause shoot, you know, you young in the game, but you know, okay. I was fully on the faculty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we got um, you. To age myself. But <laughs> anyway, um, I was on the hospital service and, um, uh, there was a patient that had been admitted to my service and, you know, this patient had been admitted, um, the evening before, uh, and by the time that I got to the patient, it was the next morning because he'd come in overnight. And, um, what I'd heard already on sign out and I'd even seen in a few nursing notes is that, um, the patient was, uh, what was the word that they used? Contentious and stirred up a lot of conflict. They were just finding like, yeah, this dude is difficult. He'll cuss you out. And the reason why the patient was there is because um, he had actually been um, at a neighbor's house. They were, you know, relaxed in the backyard, playing cards on his off day. And he became diaphoretic and had some chest pain. And, you know, the friend, rightfully so, did not mess around because he looked like near syncope. They called 911. They picked him up he felt really bad. So they let him bring him to Grady and he was having an MI. He was heart attack, heart attack. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was having a acute coronary syndrome, heart attack, MI, whatever you want to call it this week. <laughs> he was having that and it was bad. It was a blockage in one of his blood vessels. It was not good. So because of um, the emergent nature of all this cardiology came in, they um, did a, a catheterization, which is where they instrument your arteries that feed your heart, shoot dye around them and look to see if there's any blockages. And indeed, indeed, he did have a blockage. They were able to put a stent in, which kind of opens up a blood vessel, but there was still more that they needed to do. His heart had been injured and so it wasn't pumping at full strength. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're a doctor and you're annoyed by me using, you know, living room language, get over it. Other people listen to this besides (laughs) doctors. Anyway, after all of that, he is now back on the floor and he has this big dressing on his leg because they had instrumented him through his artery near his groin. And they were like, we may need to go back and take him to the cat lab again. But I'm being told after the first day I met him that he's trying to leave the hospital. The nurses are calling. Everybody's like, yo, we told you this man was difficult. He up in here going off. He took his IV out. He got his <laughs> pants on. He about to go. Like, <laughs> And you know, when I met him, he was getting ready to go to the cath lab and he was kind of scared. So we got on cool. He was cool. You know, his brother, you know, was cool. So I come in there and I'm hearing that he's going off and I'm actually like kind of looking forward to seeing him because I like a mad patient, you know? <laughs> Because a lot of times when people are mad, it's because mm-hmm. nobody's listened to them. They just feel like undermined, people being passive aggressive. And yep. I was like, you know what? I have racial concordance with this man. I have cultural concordance with him. And we got on well when I met him. So, you know, I, me puff my chest up, dust my shoulders off, bring all my swag into the room mm-hmm. uh, to see him. And it's just the two of us. So I'm like, no, nah, I ain't even doing this in front of anybody. I'm about to, you know, get this dude off the ledge and we're going to take care of his heart. So I come in and I sit down and dude is, I mean, I still remember he had on a flannel shirt. That thing was buttoned all the way up. He had the telly box off. It was sitting on the bed. (laughs) He was ready to go. I was like, sir, what is going on? Like, what you doing? 
he was like, uh, I need you to discharge me. And I was like, yeah, whoa, whoa, look, can we talk about it? He said, I need to talk about, I need to go. And I was like, okay, look, where you gotta go? Where you going? I was like, look, man, you ain't but like 48 years old and you have had like, you have had something life-threatening happen to you. You could like die. This is really a big deal. And I think we need to kind of like watch you a little longer and figure out what the cardiologist is going to say. That's cool. I knew you was going to say that, but yeah, I got to go. What do I need to do? So he's like doing the thing where you be looking around the room, looking mm-hmm. for where your other shoe is. Mm-hmm. You know, he putting some lotion on his hands. He is about to go. Come on. So I pull up a chair. I sit down. I'm calm. I'm like, um, you know, I, I, I really, really want you to stay. I will be sad if something happens to you. I really want to take care of you. I really want you to let me take care of you. And he looked at me like we were having a moment and he mm-hmm. goes, I got to go. <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, I got to take another angle here. I was like, do you have children? He said, yeah, I have children. How many children do you have? He said, I have four children. Okay. I said, do you have any grandchildren? He said, I do. I have two grandkids. I was like, wow, you got two grandkids. You got four kids. You just had a heart attack and you're getting ready to walk out of the hospital before we can complete treatment. And he was like, ma'am, I I appreciate what you're trying to say and everything, but I'm very serious right now. I'm trying to go. So they told me it's some paper I need to sign that says I left, even though y'all didn't want me to leave, I'll sign it, but I got to go. So I keep on, like, I just keep, I'm like, What's your, what's your kids' names? Nika, Tommy, Junior, and, you know, Robbie. So I'm saying their names back. I'm like, man, you know, do you know how devastated they would be? What are your grandkids' names? Gives me the grandkids' names. I said, do you know how devastated they would be if their granddad walked out of this hospital and actually became disabled because he didn't stay to do what we needed to do? Come on, man. Come on, man, I need you to stay. So I'm holding his hand. I'm looking at him. He pulls his hand back. And he was like, like I said, I really appreciate what you're saying, but I'm going to need you to get that paper for me to go. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, like, what is going on? So I kind of get a little spicy. I'm like, you know what, man? What could possibly be more important than you seeing about yourself so that you can be okay but it's family that clearly loves you. You told me you got a wife. You told me you got four kids. You told me you got two grandkids. You got a world of people that love you. And you basically just don't feel like being here anymore. And you getting ready to go. What they do that at? What are you like? What is this about, man? What did I say that for? <laughs> that brother pushed that little rolling tray table from in front of him. I mean, it made me jump like. He pushed it away, stood up, and banged his fist really hard on the table. He said, you think I don't love my family? It's people losing out here. He was so loud, you could hear him all the way down the hall. He said, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's like to be me. Mm. I sat my ass down. (laughs) Like, it startled me so much that my eyes immediately started stinging with tears. He was like, if I miss work tomorrow, I could lose my job. I have a good job. My job has benefits. And let me tell you something. If you are a person with a felony charge, 
It's really hard to get a good job with benefits. But guess what? I have one. Oh, and you know what else? I got to meet my parole officer tomorrow. And yeah, yeah, y'all say y'all going to write a note. But let me tell you what's going to happen if I miss my parole officer meeting. I could tell you right now, I'm going to get a warrant. And guess what's going to happen if I get picked up because I missed my PO and I got a warrant. I'm going to go to jail. And guess what's going to happen if I go to jail? I'm going to be there 40 days. You know why? Because can't nobody bail me out because we don't have money to do that. So if you asking me why I need to get up out of here, it's because I love my family. I love my family more than I love myself. Now I need you to get the fuck out my way so I can get to my family so I don't lose my job and get my lights turned off so I can't take care of them. You have no idea. My face was like 150 degrees. And he was so loud that you could just hear it all down the hall. Mm -hmm. and I was the only one in the room with him. And if you are waiting for me to tell you about how it became tender and then we connected and I said, I understood. No, that did not happen. He was muttering. Talking about, I don't love my family. You got me, man. You crazy. I don't love my family, man. Everything I do is for my family. You don't like, man. And you know, I have no idea what kind of felony charge he caught. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Something tells me from his age, something tells me it was something that probably did not warrant the amount of time that he has spent locked up. I do know for sure that he was locked up for about 17 years. I do know that. So if he was 48, eight years ago, and he had been locked up for 17 years, that times out just about to the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. And he probably had something very minor happen and probably got sent away three strikes. And I don't know. I mean, I'm piecing all of this together, but I learned a very mighty lesson in. I learned a lesson that just because I have racial concordance with you and just because I have cultural concordance with you does not mean I have socioeconomic concordance with you. Mm. And that day I got put in my place. I was so wrong to assume that this man did not want to be in the hospital just because he just didn't feel like being there. Mm -hmm. That was the furthest thing from his mind. And since then, I always pay attention in my histories. Now I ask people about if they have anything in their history where they need to like go to work or a parole officer or anything like that. I, I, I ask that upfront. I'm stunned at how many of my patients are on parole. Mm. So many. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about the parole system and what it does to our patients and how many people get locked up. But that patient taught me that day that when I hear somebody say they've been in jail 40 days, it is almost always that something minor happened. They got locked up and couldn't afford bail. It just happened to me last week. Somebody was in jail 40 days, couldn't get none of their medication and came in with an exacerbation of a chronic problem. Yeah, so I was very much put in my place. He left. And back then, you know, that was back before I understood that there's no nothing good about making people sign AMA forms. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't do that anymore. I don't ask people to sign those forms. But back then, to add insult to injury, he had to have the humiliating experience of signing a piece of paper that for the most part says, hey, you you making a stupid decision. You need to sign all, your, your life away for it. Mm -hmm. um, not even thinking about like what it could all mean. So. Yeah. Wow.
<laughs> Man, we make so many assumptions, paths and lived experiences. We have no idea. Even when there are like important identities that we can that we can share with our patients. I remember as a resident in clinic having a patient, an elderly black woman whose kids finally made her come in after she had not been going to the doctor for like decades. And she had raging diabetes, hypertension. You know, in my mind, I was like, well, it's your lucky day. Like, I'm going to switch all of, you know, your concerns because I'm Black, you're Black, you probably just haven't had a Black doctor before. And, um, you know, I learned quickly that, you know, it's not just about those identities. Like, this woman had an entire lived experience that doubled my age. And, you know, it wasn't a given that she was going to be on board. Yep. The other thing I learned, too, was that I I had a... um I kind of came in there like with a, like a, a, a script or like a bag of tricks that I was going to try, mm-hmm. you know, a framework. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't meet him as a human and, mm-hmm. you know, here I am the person that's always telling people when they call a patient difficult, it's because blah, blah, blah. And that's bias. And you know, all this <laughs> stuff I would be telling people, I still made him a monolith. You know, I came up with this idea of like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. Instead of saying, I never once asked him, why do you, why you need to go? Mm. What's so urgent? What, what What's going on? What's yeah. going on? Man? And since then, like if I had, if I had come in the room and saw him in that flannel shirt and said, Hey brother, you know, um, I, I, I'm told you, you need to leave. What's, what's going on? He would have told me, he would have said, you know, I got to go to work. And I probably would have said something back. And if he had told me what he said, cause he's right. He had a really great job. And if you got a felony conviction on your record and you've been disenfranchised, he told me he can't even vote. He said, I can't even vote. Mm-hmm. You think I'm about to stand here and let y'all mess up, mess up my good job? You crazy. And I'm like, how many people have to make decisions like that mm. every single day? Yep. And have the added humiliation of somebody who looks like them wagging their finger in front of them telling them, you know, that they're doing the wrong thing. I should have rolled a red car. I should have called him an Uber. <laughs> go where he needed to go. I'm serious. It's like, yeah, ah, it's hard. But, you know, who but you would take that lesson and then apply it further down the line and also be able to share stories like this that advocate for how we need to restructure our thinking around, you know, people who leave against medical advice, quote unquote. You know, it sounds like you've changed how you take your history and incorporate that up front with it, which I think is awesome. And then when you do have patients who want to leave, like, so you don't bring the form anymore. Like, what's no, your? I don't. I don't. So, um, I will say that there was a really good article in the Journal of Hospital Medicine in the Things We Do for No Reason section. <laughs> um, I love those uh, pieces, by the way. Shout out to Journal of Hospital Medicine. But it was about AMA asking people to leave against medical advice. The long game is I want to still have a therapeutic alliance with you. I also want you to have trust in the healthcare system. Where I work, a lot of the people that are asking to leave against medical advice are resource poor. They usually come from historically excluded groups, you know, and sometimes there's a lot of things going on at the same time, but I usually try to co-create some kind of plan. Um, Once I learned that there's no real legal protection for you with that little piece of paper, I realized I'm actually better off 
creating some type of plan with good anticipatory guidance. I often will give people medications to go mm-hmm. with. You know, I'm not going to be like, no, 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 boo boo. I'm not giving you any prescriptions. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what you get. I'm like, no, if you're trying to leave the hospital and I want you to stay, I do say, I really want you to stay. And now I ask people why they need to go. And sometimes asking people where they need to go, I can come up with something to help them. You mm-hmm. know, um, it could be really simple. It could be like, my granddaughter is at home with my daughter and she don't have no Pampers. I can be like, oh, I would rather you stay here than Pampers, um, than, than leave here for Pampers. Guess what? I will get on Instacart and send some Pampers over there. Like <laughs> that's not, I'm not suggesting y'all do that with your own resources, but you know what? Look, I work at, in a, in Grady hospital. I mean, I mm-hmm. do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you can find resources are social workers oftentimes too. Right? Yes, exactly. Like there, there are creative ways of doing things. <laughs> yes. But- yes. Ashley's going, you're going to end up editing that out. You're going to be telling people. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it. But, no, but like, yes, there are often things that we can do, but the problem is that a lot of times we don't know what your needs are. Mm-hmm. And if you've been struggling your whole life um, and you don't have all you know is struggling, um, you know, how to yeah. just get up out of there. You know, we have plenty of examples at our hospital, the general of people, you know, folks who are marginally housed and have like pets that they need to. Yes. Yes. And it's like simple yeah. stuff. It's like, oh, oh, that's what you need. Oh, you need somebody to check your mail. Oh, mm-hmm. you need this. I don't know. But just that whole like thing that you think you're going to come in there like, on, on some auntie stuff, telling somebody that they need to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's not cool. And, you know, have you ever heard anybody say F-A-F-O? F-A-F-O. <laughs> F around and find out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that was an F-A-F-O moment, me and that man. <laughs> I got in his face and I started trying to um, <laughs> suggest that that man was choosing himself over his family. And he was like, you about to F-A-F-O. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to picture what happened after he got done telling you, like dressing you all the way down where you're just like, okay, well. <laughs> I, I looked exactly like I look now, which is like my mouth was hinged open <laughs> My face was so hot though. It was so, I, I still remember how hot my face was because that doesn't really happen to me that much. I was really like really horrified. And to be clear, I never once thought that he was going to harm me or anything. Mm-hmm. Some of the nursing staff thought that he was like going to be violent toward me. I was like, he was not. He was just passionately letting mm-hmm. me know that um, I insulted him mm-hmm. and he had every right, mm-hmm. he had every right. And he walked right on out of there with his little flannel shirt on and his little jeans that he zipped up and his Chuck Taylors. And um, he didn't even say bye. He was <laughs> like, yeah, lady. <laughs> Some days I'd be like, can you just get readmitted so I can have a do-over, please? <laughs> yeah, I would like to try this. I'm one. so much better now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, a couple patients I would like to have on recall to, to try uh-huh. again. Man, I was like, I got cussed out. And then he just left. <laughs> Man. Like, well, course, you, know, you know, the staff was all, oh, Dr. Manning, you know, you're my favorite doctor, you know. <laughs> you, <feel better. laughs> you know, you're my favorite ever since you first got here. I'm like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, oh lordy lord 
Thank you for, I mean, not only for your exceptional storytelling skills, but your humility, like, you know, those aren't, we can laugh about it now, but I know that feeling when you just got dressed all the way down and like for good reason, like that hurts. A good reason. And with a whole bunch of people <laughs> who heard it because he was like, not in a, like, I was like, why we couldn't put him down at the room at the end of the hall? He probably got to be in the front room by the nurse station. <laughs> Cousin me out like this. <laughs> ah, man. I was impressed that he figured out how to get the telemetry box off so smoothly. Great. That man was on a mission. Oh, Lord. That brother was not trying to stay at Grady Hospital. Mm. <laughs> well, friend, I always love telling you a story. And I will say I did track him in the electronic medical record. And he followed up. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. So, you know, another thing that somebody probably didn't see coming yeah. He loved his family and he loved himself. Absolutely. Well, I love you, sis. I thank you for these lessons, these pearls of wisdom. I hope the rest of your, your evening is very chill with nobody screaming or cussing you out and that your heart just continues to be filled with all the joy that you put forth in the world. I shall appreciate it. I received that, sis. I love you. All right. Have a good one. You too. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.